So we'll be entering into um, our time of hearing the word preached um, by Pastor Paul today. Um, so you've joined us for our Summer Psalms series. So we're going through um, some psalms together. Um, and today's psalm will be Psalm 23. So if you guys could open up your Bibles to Psalm 23. And in case you're wondering, um, our church will read from the ESV version. So if you've got your Bible apps... Um, ESV is the one we'll read, Psalm 23. If you'd like to follow along as I read. The Lord is my shepherd, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow and death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God. Thanks, Mark. And good morning. Uh, it's good to see everyone. Uh, I was away for two weeks, uh, not that anyone noticed, um, but it was good. It was good to just have a break. I didn't go anywhere, didn't really do anything. I had pockets of time just by myself. Like Most of the week, Ruben's on holidays and so busy with the kids, but I had pockets of time to just rest and reflect. And so it was really good, uh, but it's great to be back. It's great to see um, familiar faces. It's great to see some new faces as well. Uh, I don't know if you came the last couple of weeks. Um, but today uh, we're continuing the series through the Summer Psalms, and we are at Psalm uh, 23. Psalm 23 is a very well-known psalm, right? You probably have heard the words that were read. You know it. Um, it's very loved, even outside of the church. Psalm 23 is arguably the most famous psalm in the Bible. Right? You know it. Uh, it's in literature. It's in music. It shows up in movies like Pulp Fiction. I think he quotes it every time he, he's about to kill someone. I don't know how that connects, but <laughs> he does that. Um, even your friends who don't attend church, right, your friends who have never stepped into church, they may be able to quote parts of the psalm. Right? If you said to them, the Lord is my, they'd probably be able to say, shepherd. Right? I shall not want. What is it about this psalm that is, is so... Uh, so attractive to us, right? What makes it so famous and capture our hearts? I think it's that very image that the Lord is our shepherd, that God is the one who is close to us, cares for us, He leads us, He protects us. And so today we're going to look at this very famous psalm and I'm going to draw out two confessions that all of us in Christ can make our confession. These are things that you and I can say. And the first one is that we can say, because Christ is our shepherd, I shall not want. There's nothing that I lack. There's nothing that I need. I shall not want. And the second is that I shall not fear. Because Christ is my shepherd, there's nothing that I need to fear in this life. I shall not want. I shall not fear. And so there are the two points. Let's jump into it. Number one, I shall not want. And this is verse one to three. Let me read this for us. Verse 1 to 3, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. And so the driving image of this psalm is of a shepherd and his sheep. And the relationship between a shepherd and sheep, just in real life, is a very peculiar relationship. It's one where the the sheep is completely dependent on the shepherd. The sheep absolutely needs the shepherd to fulfill his basic necessities. And on the flip side, it's one where the shepherd is completely committed to the sheep. That's the relationship of a shepherd and sheep. The sheep need the shepherd. And the shepherd doesn't need the sheep, but they're fully committed to the sheep. And so when you think about sheep, um, you could uh, pull out their traits in various ways. I want to point out three things about, uh, about sheep. Number one, sheep are directionless. A sheep don't know where to go. Right? If you know sheep, they, they don't know where the food is. They don't know where the water is. Uh, you, you put them in a good place, they'll wander away from it. But sheep get lost very often. That's what sheep are like. They, they don't have direction. The second thing about sheep is that they are dumb. Right? Directionless and they're dumb. They're not the smartest animals out there. You put them in a place with grass and water and they'll move away from it to some place where they'll go and die. Uh, they'll get lost. They get, they get stuck and they need someone to help them out. Uh, They'll put themselves in places of danger. For some reason, sheep are really dumb. And to give an illustration of how directionless and dumb they are, uh, back in 2005, in East Turkey, uh, 450 sheep, um, so there was a shepherd, and he left his sheep for a moment. Next moment, what what he found was that 450 of his sheep had died. And the reason why is this. One of the sheep in his flock walked and fell off the cliff. But this is how directionless and dumb sheep are. The rest of his 1,500 sheep followed that one sheep off the cliff one after another. Right? 1,500 sheep followed that one off the cliff. Now I said 450 sheep died. Only 450 died because after 450 died and fell on the ground, there was a nice comfortable padding. I'm not joking. On the floor that the rest of the thousand sheep landed <laughs> softly on and they lived. Right? They, they didn't live because they're smart. They just lived because the, the first 450 were know, dumber than they were. They're directionless. They're dumb. Number three, sheep are defenseless. Sheep are one of the weakest animals uh, we could probably think of. Most animals somehow survive because they, they have fight right? or, or, or they flight or they fright. A sheep have none of them. They, they can't fight. They have no fangs. They have no claws. They don't have spikes on their body. Right? They're just ball of softness. Right? They have no flight. Other animals that can't fight, they, they fly away. They flee really quickly. They go down into a burrow. They camouflage themselves. Right? Sheep can't do any of them. Right? If, if there's a wolf, they'll be like, Meh. nowhere to hide, can't run, can't fly. They have no fright. Other animals, you know, can't do much, but they're, they're colorful and they scare other animals away. They have a loud roar, right? They, they, their frills stick up to scare animals, but sheep have none of this. They can't fight. They have no flight. They have no fright. Defenseless. So in all these ways, sheep are dependent, have no direction. They're dumb, defenseless, and they depend on something else, the shepherd, to be that for them, that which they can't be. And on the flip side, the shepherd is completely committed to the sheep to be that for them. 
right, to give them direction. This is the way we are going. Let me protect you from all of the wolves or the bears that might attack you. Let me take you to the place, right? In, in, in this passage, the green pastures, the still waters. Let me protect you so you can restore your soul. And I'll tell you where to go, the paths of righteousness. This is what the shepherd does, and this is what the sheep needs. And in this image, David says, well, number one, that God is that shepherd for us. Right? God is that shepherd. And this is, in a way, a shocking statement. Because shepherd, being a shepherd wasn't a glamorous role. It wasn't something that people aspired to. No one wanted to be a shepherd because shepherding was hard work. Right? You just heard it. Sheep are so like needy. The shepherd was 24-7 required to be alert and be available for the sheep. Rain, hail, or shine, they're out there with the sheep. They need to watch over them. And yet this is how God is described. He is our shepherd there with us to lead us, protect us, provide for us, point the way for us, and to lovingly care for us. And so when Jesus came into this world, he spoke of the commitment that he had for us. In John chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. He says that he knows the sheep by name, that's verse 3, and he, the shepherd, will lay down his life for the sheep. This is how committed our Christ, our God is to us. He will even lay his life down for us. So that's the first thing. God is our, our shepherd. But the second is that we are then the sheep. Right? And that's the obvious implication. If God's our shepherd, we are the sheep. And this is also really a shocking statement for David to have made. For David to say, God is the shepherd and I'm the sheep was really unnatural for David. David had grown up as a shepherd, not a sheep. He had grown up as a shepherd. From a young age, he shepherded his father's sheep. If you know the story in 1 Samuel 16, God sends the prophet Samuel to go anoint the future king. And Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. And Jesse, he kind of parades his son before Samuel. All six of them except David. And Samuel's like, not him, not him, not him, not him. And he's like, do you have any other sons? And Jesse says, well, my youngest son, he's outside shepherding sheep. And in the next chapter, chapter 17, David then talks about how he's done that for a while. He's wrestled bears, right? He's experienced what it is to be a shepherd over needy sheep. He's experienced what it is to point the way and to protect those he need protecting. But David didn't just shepherd sheep. Right now, as he writes his psalm, he's the shepherd of Israel. Right? He's a shepherd of the people of God. And as the king, right, he's a prophet, he's a leader, all these things, yes, but he's also a shepherd. And that's how the Bible describes David. In 2 Samuel, it says, The Lord said to you, to David, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel. And in Psalm 78, it says, he chose, God chose David, his servant. He took him from the sheepfolds, from following the nursing ewes. He brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people. And so as king, David's still doing the same thing he used to do with sheep. He's still pointing the way, guys, this is where we're headed. As the king, he's making hard decisions. He's pointing to the direction. He's taking care of them. When his people make dumb mistakes, he's covering over them. He's protecting them from the other armies outside. He's still acting in this role as shepherd. He's right at the top. He's the leader. 
He's the king. And that's why it's a, a surprising and shocking statement for David to make this statement. That he would come before God and say, God, you are the shepherd in this relationship. And before you, I, I'm a sheep. This is a truth that David needed to remember and rest in. To remember and rest in the truth that he was just a, a dumb, needy, helpless, weak sheep. He would spend his days giving answers to people's questions. He would spend his days saying, guys, this is where we're going to go. But before God, he needed to acknowledge he doesn't have all the answers. He needed to come before God and say, God, if I'm honest, I don't actually know what I'm doing. That I don't always know where I'm headed. God, sometimes I have to act so strong in front of everyone, but if I'm honest before you, God, I feel so weak. And before God, he needed to acknowledge the fact that he was just a sheep. Needy, weak, helpless, dependent. And just rest in that truth. God is my shepherd, and I am but a sheep. Before anything else David was, that is what he was. Before he was a king, he was a sheep. Before he was a prophet, he was a sheep. Before he was a leader, he was a sheep. Before he was a shepherd, he was a sheep. And it was okay for him to be a sheep. It was okay for him to not know everything. For him to confess his weakness, to feel overburdened, and to simply rest in the presence of God. It was not only okay for him to do this, it was necessary. It was necessary. He needed to come close to the shepherd and rely on him. Now, you may not be the king of a nation. You may not be the shepherd over God's flock. But I'm sure you have responsibilities. Many of us, we lead teams or families. We make decisions. Maybe sometimes you have to act like you know all the answers, but... I want to remind you, you are a sheep. And before anything else you are, you are first a sheep. Before you are a parent, you're a sheep. Before you're a husband or a wife, you are a sheep. Before you are a leader in a ministry or the church, you are but a sheep that is invited to come rest. Be needy and depend and rest in the presence of the shepherd. But if King David was humble enough to acknowledge his need of God, how much do you and I need to rest in him today? And it is here as we come to the shepherd and say, I need you for my, my, my food and my water to rest. I need you to lead me in paths of righteousness. As we come to him in this place and posture of dependence, that is where we are also able to say, I shall not want. Right? Because I have you, I shall not want. Right? I, I don't have the answers, but because I have you, I shall not want. I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I have you. Therefore, I have everything I need, I shall not want. I have Christ, and therefore that is sufficient for me. That is the place where we are content and we need nothing else. Right? The sinful flesh in us 
tells us that we need to figure out things in our lives ourselves. We need to right our wrongs by our own strength. We need to make it happen. It's up to me. And I feel like we're sheep that are so busy trying to make it work by ourselves, by our strength. But we can't. We're not lions. We're sheep. Directionless. I'm sorry. Sometimes dumb. Defenseless. We were made to need God. And the path to being content and satisfied is not us going off and figuring out on our own. The path to finding that satisfaction is coming to the shepherd and surrendering and say, I need you and you've got to take care of the rest. That is a place of contentment and satisfaction. It is when the Lord is my shepherd that I shall not want. Right? We could add a word there maybe, perhaps, because... The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Your God, your Christ, is your loving shepherd. You are a sheep. And he invites you to rest in that truth today. You know, one beautiful thing about what David says is that he says the Lord is is my shepherd. I love that. He's my shepherd. Jesus is not just a shepherd. He's the shepherd. The, the only one, there's no one like him. He's the good shepherd, he says. But he's also more than the shepherd. He's your shepherd. Right? He's my shepherd. And you and I can personally look to him and say, you are my shepherd who personally cares for my very needs today. Can you say that to him today? Can you say that the Lord is my shepherd? Could you say he is committed to me? Could you say he knows my name? He knows my name. That he laid down his life for me. And that he protects me, provides for me, and points the way for me. That is what Jesus invites you to be able to say today. And if you can say that, there's nothing else you need. He will take care of the rest. I shall not want, but second... I shall not fear. This is the second confession we can make because Christ is our shepherd. He not only provides for our every need, so I don't want anything, I don't need anything else, you'll take care of it, but he'll protect me, therefore there's nothing that I need to fear in this life. Verse 4, David says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. Now going back to the image of a shepherd and sheep, uh, ancient Israel was not like a, a place uh, like filled with green pastures and grass everywhere. Uh, Israel is qu- quite a dry and uh, rocky place. And so oftentimes, uh, depending on the season, uh, shepherds would need to take their sheep on long journeys to find grass. And sometimes those journeys may take them through valleys. Right, the word for this is a, a wadi. And these were uh, valleys where the water would run. It would, it would create like a, a kind of a, a, a valley where the, when the water is not running, it would be dry. And that would sometimes be the path that they would take to find the green grass. And the places that these wadis or these valleys uh, were quite dangerous places. Uh, it was hot. Um, it was dark because the cliffs would um, you know, hide the sun. Uh, so there, it was there was risk of flash flooding 
Because sometimes water would just pour out of nowhere and the sheep would just get pulled and die. And there were animals right, hiding, lurking around, waiting to kill the sheep. And this is the image that David is probably uh, building upon as he talks about the valley of the shadow of death. It's something that people understood. It's dark, it's difficult, it's hardship. And for us, it's the image of anything that is tough. It's the image of life when life seems to fall apart. It's the, the pain that sometimes comes knocking on our door. When we walk through these valleys, it feels like we're going through the shadow of death. And even it might be death itself. And yet, a sheep's confidence and comfort in all of this is this. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For the sheep that goes through this place where you're really uncertain, there's a lot of question, I don't know what's going around, uh, around the corner, there might be animals lurking around. The comfort for the sheep is in the fact that they are close to the shepherd and the shepherd is close to them. The comfort's not in the fact that we're going to be in a good place. Right? There's danger all around them and that's not going to change. The valley is the valley and they're going to go through it. The comfort is that they have the shepherd. Because I have God, there's nothing to fear. You know, the promise for the believer that has Jesus Christ, the promise is not that we won't go through the valley. The valley is as much a part of the sovereign will of God as the green pastures and the still waters. Sometimes that is the path that God's sovereign will will take us through. Our comfort is not found in the, in the fact that God won't take me there. Sometimes we will. The comfort is found in the fact that even though I go through the valley, I have God. It's not the absence of pain. It's not the absence of hardship. It's not the absence of uncertainty, but it is the presence of the shepherd in the midst of all those things. That is our comfort. That is meant to be comfort to you and I. That no matter what we go through, we have God. And so he will protect me. David talks about the rod and the staff and how they bring David comfort. The shepherd would walk around with two tools, and they were different. The rod's like a, a thick piece of wood or a cudgel, and that would be used for when a predator would come to attack. They'd pull it out, and they'd, they'd stun them, or they'd kill the animal. So this is the shepherd's, I guess, his power. And the, the staff was that, when we think of shepherds, that long kind of the, the staff that they would hold with a hook on the end. You know that image where the shepherd with a hook? That, that staff is specific to shepherds. No other profession walks around with that. That was made purely for the shepherd to take care of their sheep. It's a tool used so that when the sheep is walking to, to hook around their neck and gently guide them. When they get stuck because they're dumb, you'd hook it around them and you'd lift them up. Right? When they're about to fall into the, the running riverbed, you, you pull them away. That was used to take care of the individual sheep. So you've got one tool that symbolizes power, and you've got another tool that symbolizes care. And David says, when he looks to God, I, your rod and your staff, it comforts me. Now, God doesn't walk, walk around with a rod and a staff. David's saying, when I look to you, I see your power, and I see your care. And those two things bring me great comfort. I've said before that God needs to be a God who is both powerful and a God who cares for you. And if he's only one of them, that's not very comforting for us. 
If God is powerful but doesn't care for you, well, he might be able to help you, but he won't. He's powerful enough to fix your problems, but he doesn't care enough. So he'll be like, I could help you, but I won't. Good luck, right? If God only cares for you, but he's not powerful, he'd say, oh, that's unfortunate. I wish I could help, but I can't. My hands are tied. Sin, oh, I wish I could help you defeat that. Oh, but I'm not that strong. Oh, death and judgment that's coming to you. I wish I could help you, but I can't, right? If God was only caring, but not powerful, that's what we'd be left with. The fact that God is both, a God that is powerful and cares for us, is great comfort for us because that means that no matter what we go through, God is able to help me and He will help me because He's powerful and He cares. No matter what we go through, because He is powerful and caring, there is comfort for me, even in the face of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod, your power, and your staff, your care, those two things, they comfort me. Even death should bring the believer no fear. Because Jesus is powerful even over death. He has defeated death. He has beat the devil, he has conquered it all, and now death does not have the final say. Death is not the end for the Christian. For the Christian, if if we really kind of took to heart the things that Christ has promised us in the Scriptures, and I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm sure we'll struggle, and and I'm sure when I get to the end, I'll struggle in that moment. But the hope given to us in Christ is that even in the face of death, We will find peace and joy because we know that this is not the end. That Christ has even defeated this final enemy, which is death. And maybe that's why David doesn't call it the valley of death. He calls it the valley of the shadow of death. He calls it the shadow of death because death no longer haunts the Christian. Death is but a shadow to us. You know when you're a kid and there's a shadow, there's something dark in the moving around, you're like, ooh, it, it can scare us. Shadows can scare us, but they can't harm us. They're nothing. And for the Christian, death, it might scare you, it shouldn't, but it won't harm you. It can't touch you. We won't taste death. We will go from this life to the next. We'll be one moment taking our last breath, and the next we will see our shepherd face to face. This is the promise that Christ gives to us. And therefore, even in the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. The author of Hebrews says this, Jesus died so that through his death, he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Right? The author of Hebrews is saying that people live life in fear of death and therefore they are living in slavery. Right? And people are. They're living afraid of what happens at the end. Uncertain of what happens when we die. And so that makes us slaves of fear. 
But the author of Hebrews says, Jesus has defeated the devil, he's defeated death, and therefore Christians, we don't have to be slaves of fear. Even slaves of the fear of death. It is a shadow to us. Death is a stepping stone into eternal life with Christ. And so the scriptures tell us that death has been swallowed up in Christ's victory. That's 1 Corinthians 15. And our Savior, Christ Jesus, has abolished death. He's brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And Christ has accomplished all of this by going to the cross. He died in our place. He defeated the devil. He's conquered death. And now there's nothing for us to fear. Nothing to fear, not even death itself. We're not afraid of death because we know what waits for us on the other side. What, what waits for us as we get through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's described in verse 5 to 6. And very briefly, after we pass through death, we'll be invited to the table of God as his guests. There will be a heavenly feast, a banquet, and we will sit there invited. And all those who had opposed the faith or sought to do us harm, who mocked us, the enemies, will be vindicated in front of them, just as Christ was vindicated before those who mocked him. And in heaven we'll be abundantly blessed. The oil on our head will be so much that our cup will overflow and we will only experience goodness and mercy and we will dwell in God's house forever. That's what waits us. That's our confidence as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And therefore, we do not fear. What did I say today? If Christ is your shepherd, right? If you've truly repented of your sins and you follow him, right? Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. Have you heard the voice of Christ, the call of Christ to repent and turn to him? Do you follow him as your shepherd? If you do, then you can say these words with David, I shall not want and I shall not fear. I shall not want because I am a sheep. A sheep that has many questions and is very weak and I don't know it all, but I have the shepherd and the shepherd will take care of it all. I shall not want because I have Christ and that is enough. I shall not fear because no matter what 2024 has in store for you, no matter what this life might bring, the pastures and the waters and the valleys, no matter what, I have Christ and he will protect me and get me through it all. Even if 2024 means that you will face death, it is but a shadow to you. It is but a stepping stone until you enter eternity. But as I close, I want to say this. None of this is probably new to us. Comfort in these truths is found when we can kind of own it. Right? When we really can say this is this is my truth when we can say not this is what the bible says but you know what the bible says you know what psalm 23 says because we just went through it not this is what the psalm says but this is what i say not, not what this is what the bible says about god but this is what i say about god god is my shepherd right? god is with me i think that's where we need to get to in order to truly find comfort in these truths you know when i'm walking with zoe my daughter and we walk past dogs she gets scared 
And I'll always turn to her and I'll say, don't worry, daddy is here. <laughs> daddy can protect you from this Maltese, right? <laughs> I don't know about the, you know, the, the bigger dogs, but I can protect you from the Maltese. And the fact that I can protect her doesn't really bring her comfort. It's only if she, like, the, the fact that it's true. Right? She needs to believe it right, for herself. And so I can protect her, so no matter what, she'll get through this valley of the shadow of dog. Right? She'll get through it because I will. And as a Christian who believes in Christ, you will get through this life. You will get to heaven. But comfort is found not by the fact that I can, but comfort's found when you believe Right, God can, and you truly believe. That's when Zoe will say, oh God, you've got, uh, Dad, you've got it. I'm at peace. I'm with you, right? And she's not there yet, right? <laughs> Maybe I, I'm, I need to work out. Um, and for us, I think comfort, yeah, truly is found when we can say these truths for ourselves. When we can not just say, God is like this, but really look to God and say, God, you are like this for me. Particularly when we go through hardship. Particularly when we go through the valley. And I think that's why David, when he gets to verse 4, he shifts his um, perspective. Uh, in verse 1, he speaks in the third person perspective. He says, he makes me lie down. He leads me. He. This is what God is like. Let me tell you, he does these things. But when he gets to verse 4, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he. No, he doesn't say he. He looks to God and he says, for you. For you are with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. And when we're going through life, particularly difficulty, we need to be able to say more than God is like this. We need to be able to look directly into the face of our shepherd and say, you, it is you that is with me and you will comfort me through this. My hope for you today is that you would not have learnt things about Jesus, not just learned things, but you have grown closer to him and can say this about him as your own shepherd. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. I want to invite you today to rest in the presence of your shepherd. I don't know what kind of responsibilities you carry, what kind of burdens that are on your shoulders. I don't know who you need to be as a parent or a husband, as a worker, as a team leader. I don't know what other hats are in your head. But your shepherd reminds you that you are a sheep. And it is okay for you to not have it all figured out. It is okay for you to feel overwhelmed at times. For you to not have all the answers, even though people expect it of you. That it's okay to come into His presence, grasping and hopeless and needy, and simply to rest. Would you do that today? Would you rest in the presence of your shepherd. As long as you have him, there is nothing else you need. And there is nothing else you need to fear in this life. 
He will provide all things for you and He will protect you every step, even through death. Can you rest in His presence and say, You are my shepherd. You are with me. You are my comfort today. Let's make that our prayer. Let's wrestle with that, Kingsway. Let's pray.